When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to the Well.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and today I am sitting down chatting with Consuelo Lockhart about welding. How are you today, Consuelo? Great, great. Starting the day with uh, a nice strong cup of coffee. What kind of coffee is your favorite? Um, well, I'm biased. I like Guatemalan coffee, but um, I, I like breakfast blends and, and all of that, so... Are you a pour-over, French press, or just regular Mr. Coffee type of person? Uh, French press. I've been spoiled. The French press is good. <laughs> you get all those oils yeah. out of the beans, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. So you have been doing quite a lot in the welding world. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you started the Latinas Welding Guild back in 2017? I guess my journey getting to welding... Uh, was not really planned in any way. So came to the States and grew up uh, in Northern Michigan. So Traverse City area. And basically ever since I came here, I've always utilized art to help me communicate my thoughts, feelings, and even just kind of try to keep that connection with Guatemala. So throughout uh, school, I was constantly going to as many art classes as possible. Um, and even some of my art instructors were really understanding and supportive, like where, you know, they would let me skip the like art one or, or that level one of whatever art class I was signing up for. And they would put me in advanced classes. And then when I was in high school, uh, my junior and my senior year actually ended up doing dual enrollment. So at my high school, we didn't have welding or woodworking or anything kind of more um, skilled trades oriented. Uh, that was actually at another school. So I grew up hearing about the alternate alternative high school, and that was for the bad kids. And that's where the welding and the woodworking and all the other stuff we didn't have at our his high school was. So, um, and, you know, I didn't even really think about that until this morning where I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, that's really how that was portrayed. When I was going to school, like you, it wasn't a, you were a bad kid if you did that. And so, um, sometimes it's good to be bad, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, and so, um, you know, when I was looking at dual credit, I was kind of like, well, what are my options? And then I, I was looking through the, the college catalog, looking at different classes, and I was like, ooh, I could do a canoe making class, that would be awesome. Um, and you know, the funny thing is, it's like I never even thought about my gender as being, um, a reason to not do woodworking or, or metal or anything like that. Um, I think if anything, I just was like, well, what am I going to do with that long term? Am I going to start making canoes now? Or what, what, what does my career path look like? And so uh, I ended up doing uh, some painting classes, I think. I don't really remember what was like the final reasoning behind it. Um, I think it was probably prep for uh, art school. Um, Because I really wanted to go to art school. And so I was like, oh, maybe it'll help me build my portfolio. And it'll show like, oh, I can maintain, you know, a college class and get credit. And, you know, it'll just help my my degree, if anything. 
when I went to college, I was originally focusing on industrial design because I, I love the idea of developing a product, uh, thinking about the user and, and really just like basically improving a, a, the quality of whatever it would be I'd be focusing on. And so when I was there, um, I started going through all my ID classes and then I actually had, there was only one female instructor and she was actually the one who told me I was in the wrong program. She didn't like me. I never got the, the feeling from her that she actually liked having me in her class. Like I was the problem child just because when everybody else was focusing on developing a nice clean, professional looking business card, I was like, Ooh, I'm going to do like a stained glass looking, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, kind of aesthetic for my my uh, business card, and she didn't like that. And then any other products, we were uh, basically rebranding and trying to gear it towards maybe one specific targeted audience. All of my products look were like more bright color, and I was I guess I was pushing the limits on some of that. And she just didn't like me, and I was like, okay. And she's like, I don't think you're in the right program at all. I think you should look at a different program. So I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be here anyway. So thinking <laughs> so outside I, of the box is not allowed. Okay, you got to <laughs> stick to the program. <laughs> exactly. And uh, well, and then she also did tell me she was like, you know, in industrial design, we're not designing for ourselves. We're designing for other people. And I'm like, yeah, well, I should have heard that in the beginning of the program. So I didn't have to like go through all of this. But uh, either way, you know, I walked away with some computer skills. Um, and I felt like I was further ahead um, than some of my other classmates who were in functional art. I ended up looking at sculpture, furniture design, and functional art as different options. I ended up doing functional art because I love the idea of, uh, you know, marrying the functional side with the design side. I just absolutely love that challenge and being able to have that conceptual um, idea with the whole, like my whole body of work that I wanted to try to create um, was also super appealing. And I could work with my hands, so I no longer had to just constantly sit at a computer. I think it was like my second or third semester, maybe, uh, that I was in the functional program uh, that I ended up having a project where we had to make a table, but we had to utilize or use one material that we either had very limited amount of experience with or no experience with. And so at that time, I had really just been focusing on wood. And so I was like, well, I don't know what else I would use. And so once again, steel never came to mind because it's like I, I never had people talking about it or like encouraging us to use it. And then um, for that uh, particular project, um, I think another professor kind of saw us all designing and was asking us what we were doing. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And so she was like, well, maybe you should try metal. She's like, have you ever thought about that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, I haven't. And so she was like, well, um, I think you should start looking at steel and I'll show you how to weld. So I was like, okay. And so then I came up with my design and then I showed her and then she gave me a, like basically, I think maybe an hour welding lesson. And I just picked it up and just kept going around with it. And it just happened kind of natural. And I didn't 
really even think about all the other stuff now that I'm trying to advocate for, like, you know, being a woman in the industry and how is it accessible and, you know, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and all these different things that, you know, I think a lot of uh, newer uh, welders or maybe more specifically women are facing. And so I never would have thought that that one project would have led to where I am now. So I graduated from Kendall. I got my BFA in functional art. I had a couple welded pieces. But then it came the big question of like, well, now what am I going to do with my degree? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like I could go work for a furniture designer or something. I have the woodworking experience. I've done casting. I've, I've done metal. I have ID experience. So it's like I have all these experiences, but I don't know what to do with all of it. And so, um, you know, at the time I was contemplating all my options and I was like, wow, that's way too many to even think about where I could see myself. And so um, I looked at, uh, so in Michigan, they have a Michigan Works. So basically people who are looking for potential uh, continued education or um, those who are maybe underemployed could go there as an alternative option to figure out career. And welding was one of the, you know, skills that was lacking uh, talent, but they were also really trying to recruit. And I don't know if they were getting as many people um, signing up for welding as they wanted to. And so I tried, uh, I looked into it, I qualified for a grant. um, And I was able to get into uh, basically an 18 week job training program in welding and fabricating. And so and I was like, I have no idea what that is, or means or (laughs) (laughs) anything. And so uh, I basically was like, you know what, I did a little bit of welding. If it's anything like that, I think I will be fine. And so I I just went for it. I was scared as soon as I got into class because we started doing videos and reading and I saw terminology, the workbooks. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I was like, I don't know if I uh, I don't know if I can do this. I was the only woman in my class. And just even my experience and orientation, like as before we even started classes, basically they wanted to have the cohort for the welding, I think welding construction. And so then uh, some of the professors from each department came out and talked. And so I remember there was a woman from the admissions office who saw me and she's like, what, what are you going into? And I was like, I'm going into welding. And she's like, oh my God, it's like that movie. And I'm like, what? And she's like, oh yeah, it's like flash dance. You're like flash dance. It's like the movie. And I'm like, that's not at all. What um what this is like and uh, but but then it's like you know that's sad because it's like that's shameless and flash dance are the two only I feel like images you ever see of women in welding and they're not even good imagery of women in in the industry but it's <laughs> not like them being like oh they're very famous like this is all because they're a welder there's so much more that's it, like a, just a plot piece instead yes. of the plot yeah. Exactly. And so, um, you know, I, I, I did have a lot of self-doubt about being in the, the program. You know, I, I was the only woman in my class, so I couldn't really like turn to anybody in class just because it was like I didn't want to potentially have a male student being like, oh, what do you need help with? And I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm just trying to ask you a question. Like, I don't need all this other stuff. And so I did feel very alone. And luckily, I was able to develop a friendship with the only other Latino student in my class. And so and thankfully, it was purely professional. So I didn't ever feel uncomfortable at any point. But it was just like, that's an actual issue that happens for women trying to learn how to weld. And so basically, just my personal experiences going through the class, And then, you know, even when we were getting out into the lab, um, because I'm such a visual learner, you know, I I always 
I never had a problem asking for help. I always pulled my instructor into my booth to be like, can you just watch me? I want to see if I'm doing it right or wrong. Or I'd ask to see him do maybe another demo just so I can actually understand what I, what I need to be doing, what I might be doing wrong and all of that. And a lot of my other classmates wouldn't do that. They would just like watch him do it one time or the video and then they would just go and never ask for help. But then I'd always get, um, I'd always see in the reflection of my helmet inside of my helmet, somebody peeking in and watching me in my welding booth. And I would just get so annoyed. I'm like, why are you watching me? Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to practice and that's what you should be doing. Yeah. Quit um, looking at me, go focus on your own thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I and then, you know, it did feel like a lot of my classmates were like, oh, is she going to be able to do it? Oh, is she doing better than us? Oh, my God, the girl's welding better than you. And it's like, oh, my God, so annoying. But, you know, throughout that, uh, my time there, the school did offer to pay for um, or sponsor me in an art competition that happens in Grand Rapids. Um, art prize and so they were like oh yeah like if you're interested to do it like we'll we'll sponsor you and I was like ah, I don't know I don't want to do an art competition that's just not really like I'm not a competitive person like that and so uh, then I went home and I thought about it and I was like well why wouldn't I let them sponsor me like what would what would be the worst thing that happens like nothing so I ended up doing that and I'm glad that I did because I think that really helped me see more of the fabrication side because I was still going through the program. My teacher said, oh, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll help you. Like, I'll, there's a bunch of donated steel uh, you can use for your project. And so then he ended up helping me. And all I was really going from was like hand-drawn, uh, like drafting uh, images of what I wanted the piece to look like. So it did give me a lot of really good experience in like learning how to assemble the project think about it as a whole, like, how am I going to actually make this thing stand up and not fall? How's it going to be structurally sound? And then it even gave me practice on like tacking and uh, a lot of like, a lot of butt joints, uh, T joints. So it helped me kind of see where the joints were relevant and even troubleshoot, like, you know, if you burn a hole through, then how do you patch it? And how do you patch a half inch gap? And or like, you know, whatever the situation might have been. And so I think that overall, I'm glad that I did that, even though it was a huge headache to do because I ended up building out of like 13 pieces and it was an arbor. And I was like, Ooh, you know, I should think about this as far as transportation, like, well, how how would I transport this to the site where I'm going to be doing the the art or for the, the whole competition thing. And so I, all I had was my element. So I'm like, okay, well, if I can get it in my element, then that's all I'll need. So I'm like, Ooh, I'll do it in 13 parts. And that'll be so much easier and I will be able to transport it everywhere. And uh, and then I think I only ever completely disassembled it one time after that. I never did that. I, I was like, okay, how many parts can I actually take it apart where I can still get it in my car and I have to worry about, you know, feeding one side to the other and all this and that. So how long did the project <clears throat> take you to do? Um, I think it took me a couple months because I was, I was actually working on it while I was still going through the program. I actually finished the program early. So I was able to focus on like, so for me, I'm like, okay, I am, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to let all of this other exterior stuff run me out of the program. So I think I finished maybe four weeks, maybe more early. So it was a self-paced program. So everybody who was going through, we went through oxyacetylene, we went through torch cutting, brazing, um, that was how we started. And then we jumped into MIG welding, flux core. Then we did 
TIG, I think we did stick, but maybe, no, we did do stick. And so we basically did all the processes. And um, so uh, basically you, you had your different joints you had to pass, like your bend tests and everything. And um, so I got through everything. And then the last project, the, uh, the final, final project was an airtight capsule. Uh, so basically it was like a small pyramid where we had to do, um, I can't remember if he gave, we had a limited amount of stops we could do. I ended up uh, with the other Latino student, him and I both did our final test at the very end and we both passed. And so then I was like, oh, cool. So now I can work on my project. So they, the school let me work on the project while other people in my class were doing their schoolwork and everything. And then um, even after that, they're like, oh, yeah, if you need to come back and utilize a sh our shop, you can. Um, but I like right after I was completed with the program, um, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, there are employers that are looking for, um, you know, welders to hire on welders. And so I got hired out by a small manufacturing company. And um, I was kind of like, well, I mean, I don't really know what the job entails, but the fact that they were talking about they had a training program and I think it was like six, six weeks long. Um, and so I went out for the, the interview. I did my weld test. Um, I, I did really well. Uh, the CWI was like, oh, geez, you've done a lot better than a lot of other welders that come in here for their interview. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. I don't know. If that was what was the weld test? Um, you know, honestly, I can't remember. I feel like he had me do a couple different joints. I think he had me do a T joint. I want to say he might have had me do a vertical weld. And I, but I think he set my machine for me. And so I, I just, and he was like, okay, you start welding and I'll just tweak your machine as you, you as you're going. And I'm like, okay, I, I did that. And then I got hired on. Um, and then I went through the job training program and um, so I, I felt like, you know, that was a great way or a great experience for me. And that's kind of what I'm constantly looking for for other women. It's like I didn't really know what the job would entail. I didn't know if I would be MIG welding or what steel or anything about the job. I, I mean, even the job description felt like I was reading Greek. Like, I'm <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know what any of that means. And so, you know, I, I really jumped into that. And even that employer, like I was telling them about like my experience at the community college and like how they were helping me with this art project. Also with the the secret hopes that maybe they would also want to help me. And so they're like, oh yeah, well, we, we have powder coating. So like, if you want to like bring it here, you can weld. And then if you want to send it through the oven, we can certainly do that too. And I was like, oh, sweet. And then I ended up meeting another powder coater uh, just because I wanted to look at different colors and um, and just also keeping my options open. And that powder coater was like, oh, yeah, I'll cut you a deal or, or I'll sponsor you, too. And I was like, oh, cool. So uh, either way, I had those three groups helping me. And those were all opportunities that I never saw really happening uh, just based on me being like, OK, I'm going to start this welding and fabricating program. And uh, so it really led to all of that. But I also... I mean, that's all good stories and stuff, but it was also like, I did have a, di a difficult time um, being the only woman at the welding shop. Cause I, you know, I would constantly get stares from, from other coworkers and stuff. And, you know, I did end up finding some support from the other welders that were around me. Like they did watch out for me. There were definitely like, I was really frustrated with that specific position I got thrown into because there were different departments and I was in like the largest scale department where we were, I was making like vending machines and all sorts of large, like huge pieces that, um, 
you know, in parts, oh, it's like, oh, okay, that's not bad. But then it's like, okay, how am I supposed to lift this thing out of my jig, okay. get it off my welding table? Thank God it was a hydraulic table. But it's like, how am I supposed to lift that off, get it on the pallet, and then keep stacking all of my pieces on top of it? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, this thing is larger than I am. And so I was getting frustrated. And so like, luckily I had a really supportive welder right next to me. He was a robotic welder. So every time I like was ready to pull it off the table, I'd be like, Hey, can you just give me, can you just like do a double check make sure I got everything correct. And then also uh, help me lift it off the table. So he constantly helped me. And then I felt really bad. So I'm like, you know, here I am trying to just do my own job, but now I have to pull a robotics welder off of his machine just to help me um, and everything. And so then it got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, I'm the literally the smallest person in my department. And, and the other department next door, they're making smaller pieces. And there are guys about my size over there. So why am I like, why am I over here? And why can't I go over there? And uh, so then it came to the point where I'm like, I think I have to talk to my supervisor, because I do feel like I'm being set up for failure. Like, there's no way I can keep doing this. Um, and make my numbers because it's like that's what I was really focused on. I was like, I if, if I'm supposed to be like you know making or, or having a quota and like hitting my target number, like I can't do that at this point. And so um, I ended up just talking to the supervisor and told him I was like, you know, I just I don't feel like this is really fair or the right spot for me, and I don't really know why I got placed in this department when it's clear that I can't lift all the things. And you know, they didn't have like any sort of hoist system or, or anything like that. So it's like. You know, I just I didn't want to hold people up in the whole process. And so um, they moved me over. And so then that experience was a little bit different. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a whirlwind. And I don't always think about the the my, you know, my first year starting out. But um, I definitely learned a lot, I think. And it, it did help me kind of figure out what I did and what I didn't want to do. I was like, you know, I really don't think I want to do production welding. I mean, I could if I really wanted to go back to that. But I just my heart wasn't in it. And even asking the questions of like HR and the supervisors, I'm like, well, how, how far can I grow with the company? Like if I ever eventually wanted to put my degree to use, like, could I potentially design, like, could I start making blueprints and start designing some of the products that we're making and like, you know, be on that end too. And they were like, no, we don't, we don't, that's not how we promote. So I'm like, eh, well, really makes you want to stick around when people are like, nope, you're going to stay exactly where you are forever. <laughs> well, yeah. And then even talking about what the most uh, welder at that particular shop could make. So I'm like, okay. And that's it. Like I could be here for 10 years and I would still make the same exact amount that once I get to that cap. That's something that when I was going through welding school, people talked a lot about was that there this day and age, a lot of welders will jump from job to job to job to job because you start making something at one then another company is trying to hire people and so you ask them for more and so people don't stay at welding jobs a long time these days and it feels like employers aren't really ready to risk paying people more and giving them raises on the regular which is hard for job retention (laughs) yeah absolutely and well and like for for me it's like i Growing up, I mean, I, I, I was really fortunate to have uh, grown up in, uh, you know, northern Michigan, um, having uh, parents who both had uh, degrees. My dad had a PhD and like both of them constantly talking about work ethic and like 
you know, the, the whole like resume, you have to do stuff for your resume. And it's like, Oh, how's that going to look if you keep jumping around from job to job to job? And what's that going to look like on your resume? It's like, Oh my God, the resume. Looks so, like a normal, normal welders resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like for, for me, it's like, you know, it was important for me and like my parents constantly would always tell us growing up, like, you know, if you commit to something, then you need to commit to it. It's not fair for you to be like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for this job and I'm going to do it. And then like stop showing up or you quit after, you know, a, a week or, or whatever amount of time. It's like, you, like if you're going to sign, if you're going to actually commit to a job, you need to see it all the way through and then you'll know whether or not it's a good fit or whatever. And so like, for me, I was like, okay, well, I want to understand where the limitations are for the job before I just decide to up and quit. So I, I'm giving it a chance but, you know, the the whole like jumping from job to job to job, uh, I never really understood it. But then the more I got into the field, then I'm like, that is very common. And it also makes sense. It's like, why would I want to work a job where I am lifting everything? I'm I'm having to read blueprints. And then if there's a mistake on a print, then you got to call it out. So it's like now you're going through all of these different steps just to make sure that you can even do your job. Um, while lifting and prepping, grinding things, prepping things for paint or powder coating or wherever it's going, you know, to me, that's, that's not like, you know, an easy job. And the fact that like skilled trades folks are getting paid less than maybe an office admin or, you know, just other jobs, it's like that to me never made sense. Yeah. And so like, even now I'm like, oh my God, I feel like it'd be really hard to go back out if I'm not making a certain amount of money, especially for your, your the skill, the time commitment you've put into education and learning and, you know, just really honing in on your, your skill. Like that's, I don't want to get paid $15 an hour to do that. I, I resonate with that very much because I've been a musician for many years and uh, it's, it's kind of the same where you roll up to a bar and you're like, Hey, we want to play. Like, oh, well, we'll pay you an exposure. You know, there's going to be people out here. And it's like, no, I've spent all these years honing a skill. I have mm -hmm. all this equipment that I've spent thousands of dollars on and you need to compensate me for it or else we'll go somewhere else. And it's it's very the same with the skilled trades where people are just like, oh, it's not going to be like, how come it's that expensive for you to do this like it's only going to be this much it's like well it took a lot to get here and if you don't understand that you can go find someone else you know exactly what uh instrument do you play or instruments do you play i play i play anything with strings on it and mainly a writer but doing it a long time love it love music mm -hmm. but welding came into my life during covid and oh uh, that's what kind of like, cause music shut down and I was like, well, what didn't shut down and welding school was still open. And I was like, I got to try that out. Found love. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, let's see, I think I started playing piano when I was in elementary school at some point. So I've been playing for a long time as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to see how artists, musicians, well, basically anyone with like a, a, a hand skill or whatever creative skill they always get asked to do stuff for free yeah yeah it, and it i'm is, like <laughs> it's a weird world <laughs> it's like I, I mean i guess in some ways it's similar to like doctors and dentists so it's like you know if they're 
if you know your friend's a dentist or doctor or you're like, oh, someone's bringing their husband. Oh, they're a doctor. Like, oh, well, yeah, my back hurts. Can you uh, can you yeah, take a look at it? That old party trick. It's like, hey, uh, this guy's yeah. a doctor. Who's sick? Come on. You know? Yeah. My, my, well, my dad was a psychologist, so I felt like he got the same exact things. And sometimes I, like, I would be mad because I'm like, my dad's a doctor. Like, he's like a psychologist and we're, we're trying to have family time. Why are you asking him about or like talking to him about your love life? It's like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. People asking for stuff for free. It's people don't understand how insulting it is. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of insulting, there was a couple <laughs> things. There was a couple things that you were talking about earlier that I wanted to touch on because um, you were talking about overcoming self doubt mm-hmm. um, in school and asking for help. Those are two things that I feel like people getting into the skill of welding, they have a hard time with. Like people Mm -hmm. have a hard time overcoming, you know, you're first learning and you think you're never going to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. but then a lot of people, they'll just sit there and stew in their little welding booth and not progress instead of asking for help. And can you just talk a little bit about the importance of asking for help and what that has done to help you progress? Well, like I mentioned before, my dad was a psychologist. So basically growing up with my own personal doctor constantly, um, I think really also helped kind of engrave that like, it's okay to ask for help. And I remembered at one point, someone said like, you know, and I and I liked this perspective on, on when it comes to like asking for help. Like, I think it shows courage and strength for somebody to ask for help. Because asking for help is not easy. Um, I think in some ways people are like, well, if I ask for help, then I'm like, you know, I'm, it's failure or, or like it, it proves that I'm unable to do something. It's like, no, it shows that you care enough about whatever you're doing to learn how to progress and how to continuously be better. Because it's like, if you're not asking for help and you're struggling and you're mad and it, then it gets to the point where you're like, you know what, no one's helping me and I'm going to quit. It's I, like that that just opens the floodgates for all of that. Exactly. I, I had there's so many people I went through a community college program as well. It was like year long. And there was people dropping like flies the entire time because they just couldn't figure it out. I'm just like, go talk to go talk to the instructor. Go talk to the instructor. And they're like, No, nah, they don't help me. Then they never help me. They just tell me it doesn't look good. And I was like, Well, that's how you gotta go up there. Grab them by the hand, drag them to your booth, and say, "What am I doing wrong? Show me, watch me, help me." You know, people just—they have such a hard time these days asking someone with experience to show them what to do in something they don't have any experience in. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it, but it is a—it is a very big, big thing that happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for for me, it's like I I know that I am a visual learner. I have to physically see it. Like, I mean, it's it's been like that for anything that I learned. Music, it's like I can read music, but I, I always benefit and, and appreciate when I've had instructors play the song for me so I can, like, hear it, kind of understand maybe the tone and, like, the pace and, like, you know, maybe what certain parts might sound like. And then that makes it a lot easier for me to, to like to actually learn that song. And like with welding for me, I'm like, okay, this is something I've never done before. I think I might know what it's supposed to look like, sound like, and feel like, 
but I just want to make sure. So I'm, I over, <laughs> I overthink it and I'm a slight perfectionist, I think in some sense, but you know, for me, I'm like, you know, there's my instructor. He's literally just sitting there. No one's asking for help. So I'm going to take advantage of that because I need, I want to be really good at this and I don't want to quit or have, or be ran out of the program by other male students. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do better. It worked out for me because I was done like four to six weeks early before all my other classmates. So crushing it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I'm not going to let anybody determine my ability to do this or not do this. Like, it's like, that's up to me. And so like, I know when I was starting, I'm like, you know, I, it, I was a little hesitant asking for help. Cause I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to annoy my instructor. Like, cause it was like every day, <laughs> like, I'm like, Hey, can you come look at this? Or can you watch me? Or can I see you do this? And, uh, and because like, I mean, just from what I've gathered from other people who've gone through like, you know, vocational school or whatever, it's like, you know, just because you're a good welder doesn't mean you're a good instructor. Yeah. And so like for some instructors, they might sit at their desk and, they're like, okay, watch that video, read that book. Yeah. Okay, go weld. And it's like, okay, well, that's super hands off. And you don't really like, I mean, it's true. There, I'm sure there are instructors that like, you're like, hey, how am I doing? And they're like, ah, it looks good. Yeah, well, why does it look good? What fine. do they do? It's fine. That'll pass. It's fine. Go yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Face. Yeah. Yeah. And so that for me, I'm like, well, that's not how I, I can't function like that. And so I'm sure for him, he probably is never really got that many students who are like that. I don't want to say needy, but that persistent on like feedback. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't let any of those exterior things, you know, change my mind. Yeah. Change my mind and I'm getting help and all of that. And so like for me, when we have classes going on, I'm like, do not be afraid to ask the question. Cause there's a good chance that whatever you're asking, somebody else might be too afraid to ask. And so you're doing, you're not just doing yourself a favor, but you're doing other people also a favor. Exactly. I asked so many questions and everybody was like, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, no, because I'm asking the question you're too afraid to ask. And people would say that to me all the time. There's like, man, I was thinking about that forever. I've never asked it. And you asked the question and now I understand what I'm supposed to do. It's like, yeah, well, if you just ask, you probably <laughs> <laughs> figure it out sooner. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't know that you needed help. Yeah. You never said anything. <laughs> well, speaking so. about help. Uh, I asked about the the guild way earlier, but we've jumped into an awesome conversation. But I want to circle back around. When you started this Latinas Welding Guild, can you give us a little information about that? Yeah. So when, let's see. So when when I was going through school uh, at, at the community college, I was still going through the welding program. And I'm trying to think like, you know, long term, what, what is it that I want to do? I mean, I know that I could get a job and then understanding that like, you know, as a woman in the industry, like I could literally go anywhere because I'm a woman and there's not a lot of women in the industry. So I'm kind of like a hot commodity. So I'm like, so that was kind of uh, comforting in some way, I guess. But then also like understanding, like, well, trying to figure out like, well, why aren't there more women? And then I was like, you know, as I was going through class, as I was working on the project, as I was going to this new position, going through the training, just experiencing that, like just the real world in a job. And then even outside of that, because I'm like, well, you know, outside of my class, I want to be able to go back and like work on projects or figure out how I want to use it. 
Cause like, you know, I came from art school where everything was so project-based and I absolutely loved that. And I, and even to this day, I really do miss being at school. I love the structure. I love the, the fact that, you know, it's like, okay, now I have a purpose to design for. So, um, it, it just always helped motivate me. And so, um, you know, as I was going through the program and everything, like outside of class, you know, I was thinking like, well, what kind of art do I want to do with it? Kind of looking around. And then I didn't even know that there were other welders in my family. And like, after I started, like, as I signed up for the program and all of that, like my mom was like, oh yeah, you're one of my cousins is a welder. Oh, and my cousin over here is a welder and the welder here, welder here, welder here. Oh, my dad used to weld. And I'm like, oh my God, like all these people used to weld. And I've never heard about it up until like college. Like, so it's like, I never knew that that was a a career path. It was never an option. It was never talked about just because like the high school I went to, I mean, it was bougie. I mean, I was in Traverse City, it was bougie up there. And so like, that was never uh, like, you know, I don't want to say acceptable career path was never talked about. And so, um, you know, here I am trying to figure out like, well, how do I fit in the industry? Um, that has not a lot of women. So can I, is there a way that I could try to get other women in there? Or is there a way I can find a like another mentor or somebody in the in the industry that might be able to help me figure out, like in some way what I want to do? And I couldn't find anybody. I, I, I had people who got very irritated with me when I was asking questions and just even being in the woodworking world, like I'd have to go to you know, lumber yard to go pick up uh, pieces of wood for projects I was working on in class. And it was like, even that experience, I, I had so many men that were so like frustrated the fact that I walked in the store and I'm like, okay, you're mad at me for asking you a question. Like, isn't that why you're here? Like to help? Yeah, that's your <laughs> I, job. Your job exactly. is to help me. <laughs> yeah, it was the same thing with the steel. So it's like, I, I wasn't like, uh, not used to that kind of treatment, but I was just like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I'm literally trying to learn. I'm literally trying to start a career and I have so much pushback but from everybody at every single turning point. It's annoying. And so um, just taking all of those experiences and basically thinking like, well, maybe what I should do, because I always wanted to find some way to get back into Guatemala and like make an impact and and try to give back to my family or try to give back to the country in some way And so forever, I kept thinking about opening up a gallery in the States and then a gallery down in Guatemala and basically transporting artwork back and forth. So then people in America could see what's happening in Guatemala and vice versa, blah, blah, blah. With welding, it just, there was just one day where it clicked. I was like, oh my God, I think I should start a women's welding school in Guatemala. And so I was like, that would be awesome. And then uh, my mom uh, was like, oh, we should go to this. Oh, what is it? NOMA? Is it National Ornamental Metal Art Association? They had a convention out in New Mexico. So my mom and I took a trip out there and we're walking around. And that was when I was able to see like water jets and like, and uh, it's just like me and my mom strolling around this like (laughs) convention. And, um, and so we're asking questions and I'm seeing um, like handrails and how how steel is used in in different uh, products and and for different businesses and everything, and that was just super fascinating to me. I was like, oh my god, I didn't know that all of this was even a, like out here. Yeah, because you just never think about, oh, where was this chair made? How was it made? Like no one no one looks at all the things around them. And so I was like, oh yeah, that'd be a great option. Like 
women can learn how to weld, they can start getting careers. And and then I was like, I have no idea how to start that in a different country. So then this idea kept kind of like was on my mind for a while. I got done with school. I ended up leaving that job and getting into a furniture job. And I was actually able to go through a Latino leadership program. A friend of mine nominated me to go through it. And so I was going through that program with like 20 some other Latinos that were also nominated by folks in the community to try to like learn maybe other tools to becoming an effective leader in the community. And so everybody that was in there had a different idea or goal with what they wanted to do as far as like leading. And so I was the odd sheep out just because like we, there was that one point where we were trying to decide group projects and some people were like, oh, I want to do like a podcast on like uh, the health in the Latino community or like how do we get like relevant um, information about like maybe status uh, or, or healthcare or whatever the situation was. But the, anyway, so there are all these groups that pitched all these ideas. And of course, my idea, I was like, I want to start a welding school for women. In Guatemala. And everyone's like, yeah, no, that's too much. We're not doing that. So like, okay, well, I tried. And so I kept thinking about it and going through that program, I started seeing like, you know, well, if we are trying to break out into the community and make a difference, like there are different skill sets that maybe people need to start thinking about and focusing on. Like, you know, if you have confrontation, how are you dealing with that? We don't want to, we don't want to become a stereotype like, especially being Latina, I'm constantly getting looked at of like, oh, no, don't you don't want to make her mad. Oh, she's she you know, she's a scrapper. She's little. She'll she's you don't want to mess with Consuelo. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not I don't even know why you're painting me out like that. I don't like it. And so just kind of dealing with all of that and like, well, OK, if I am getting into a male industry, like then I, I'm going to have to have thick skin and I'm going to have to have these uncomfortable conversations and figuring out how to maneuver. People will be saying some things to me, I'm sure that I won't like. And, you know, I think at that point when I was like living in Grand Rapids outside of college, I started going out and networking and meeting other people in the art community and not really so much in the welding community. And so um, I did have some racist things said to me or was in some situations where I was like, oh, my God. I didn't realize I'd have to start using all of my skills this quickly, like, and, and starting to think about how I'm dealing with confrontation in a very aggressive way, uh, or with somebody who is being very aggressive with me. And so um, all of that, just I'm like, okay, it has to be a safe space, no matter what I'm doing. And so fast forward 2016, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana, and I started working at a makerspace. So I was a director of a makerspace. And we had shared equipment, but even being a woman running a makerspace, I was constantly overlooked. I had people treating me like I was the help. Uh, I was a receptionist or they're like, because I'm like, well, I'm I'm running the makerspace. I'm like, okay, well, where's your boss? I'm going to talk to him. I'm like, oh, my God. I am the boss. Right? (laughs) I'm like, you're going to come right back to me. And then uh, let's see how this works out for you. But I was fortunate enough to have a boss there. He, He was this white blonde, tall male in the developing world, real estate, nonprofit world. So he had been, uh, you know, established for a long time. And so um, I felt very fortunate because I'm like, well, I don't know what kind of skill sets I even have to be running a makerspace or what a makerspace is. You know, I I felt like they took a chance on me and I was like super thankful for it because I'm like, anything I do, 
whether it's a job or, or whatever task, I always put my all into it. And even if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing or how to do it, I will always figure out a way. And so um, when I was there, like, you know, he gave me a lot of support because when I did get a lot of pushback from like other men who were like, well, I'm, I deserve to be in the maker's fist. I'm like, well, uh, I don't think so. And so trying to establish the culture, making sure that the culture was being maintained. Um, and I was like, you know, honestly, as a woman trying to be in the woodworking world, the metal world, basically any sort of like kind of skilled trades uh, world, it's hard. And I'm like, if anything, I'd love to see more women, more minority women, more minorities in the makerspace because you don't typically see that. And so um, my boss just was like, yes, this is your platform. You tell me what you need. If there are people who are like, here, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Eric instead of you. Like, he's like I'm, I'm going to tell them like, nope, you actually got to go talk to Consuelo. That's Consuelo's decision, not mine. And so that I think really did help me find my voice, my confidence, my platform. And, and it really did force me to learn how to maneuver in those different types of scenarios, which then led me to Basically, I had my friend Hugo. He was always such a huge support to me. He actually was um, my first Latino friend um, when I moved to Grand Rapids. And he was constantly telling me, like, when are you going to start this? When are you going to start your school? When are you going to start this? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Easy to procrastinate. So when I was in, in, in Indianapolis, I was like, okay, I have to do it. In 2017, I just I, I made the jump. I uh, talked to an attorney that we had been working with through the um, – makerspace who constantly did like business focused workshops. And I was like, I have this idea. I don't know if it's ready for any sort of legal entity or not. I'm like, this is what I want to do and why and how do I do it? And so she helped me get my entity filed. I never, ever thought about a nonprofit. And here I am running a nonprofit four and a half years later. And so that's basically how it started. It was just like accumulation of all of these different things. It's kind of crazy to think about because I'm like, I never thought while I was in college that this is where I would end up. And it all started with that one project where you had to use steel. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah wild. pretty much. Yeah, pretty wild. When you're in welding school, you have a very narrow mind. It's I'm going to pass this test and then I'm going to go get a job as a welder. You never can really plan out your future because that was something that you kind of touched on too was is you're going to go into a job and you're not going to know like a quarter of the things that you need to know to do it, but you're going to learn on the job. And I feel like mm -hmm that's something people need to know about welding and fabricating is it's it's you're not going to learn it in a class you're going to learn it by doing it and mm -hmm. as far as you teaching like what is your experience teaching people like helping them build that confidence of you know you might not know exactly where you're going with this but in the future there's going to be a clear path trust me but you just mm -hmm. got to be patient and you got to go all the different avenues you possibly can to figure out what your path is going to be yeah like, how do you help people find their passion in welding? Like, mm -hmm. what are some things that you do with people? So when we first started, when I first started the guild, I had five girlfriends, five Latinas. So I'm like, hey, I and, and even coming up with the name and the logo and everything, that was all a process. And so like, then I have like five girlfriends where I'm like, hey, can you guys do me a favor? <laughs> they're like, what? And I'm like, would you ever want to learn how to weld? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, it'll be fun. Just trust me. 
and so I was like, I really would love if you guys can pilot this program with me. And so I had five girlfriends who knew nothing about welding, never thought about it. That are like, sure, we'll try this thing you're, you're telling us we're gonna do. For them, not not all of them use the uh, the skill anymore now, but um, the fact that they're still supportive is is fantastic. But um, so kind of even understanding, well, what is what do I even want women to be walking away with? Like, what what is the end goal? Like, uh, and I know that like certification was a, a big question, like oh, well, like, if you're not getting certified, then what's the point? Or like, you can't get funding without certification. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then it's like, even people who know nothing about welding or nothing about certification or nothing about like the industry are the ones who are like, well, you need to have certification. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because we need to have a measurable goal or we need to see data and reporting uh, so that you can get funding, which was frustrating because it's like, well, that's a lot of pressure. Like, because if someone's like, hey, I don't know what I want to do, but now I have to go take a test. Yeah. Uh, and then what does the test mean and blah, blah, blah. And so then finally in 2019, we started making certification uh, part of the program. And so uh, basically throughout the time I've been leading the organization, I'm like, well, you know, how, how do I get women interested? And it was actually not that difficult to get women interested interested because the first group that I of like of my girlfriends who went through they kept talking about how much fun they were having and yes it was a little bit more social at times and maybe it should have been uh but the fact that like they were talking to friends and then other people other women in their Latino community were like oh my god I heard so-and-so went through it the first time and I would love to go through and be a part of this like sisterhood and like just be in this environment and so, um, you know, me just trying to explain to them, like, what the industry um, is, because I think at first people were interested, like, just for the social fun, you know, like the good feelings that came along with it. But then at, over time, we've had more and more women who are like, hey, I've like, I've thought about this as a career, but I have family and friends who are like, you're not allowed to do this or we'll disown you or like, you'll never, ever be able to because it's a man's skill or a man's job and you're a girl like what could you ever do and so it you know trying to coach them through that but also being able to see different groups and how they learn like so I taught part-time at a local uh, community college here uh, back in 2018 I have no teaching degree and so I, I had a friend who was at the community college and he's like hey we need welding instructors like would you be willing to teach and I'm like I have no idea Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> and so I was teaching a, a stick certification class. And so just even that experience, like seeing how adult male men or like how just adults in general learn. Like, I mean, I would be in class and I would be sitting out in the lab so they knew they could come ask for help if they needed it. Did I ever get asked for help? No, no. <laughs> never did. Maybe by one person. And so, um, but then I would see some of the guys throwing a temper tantrum. Like I remember there's this one kid, I guess he was notorious for it, but he would like come to class late and then he would start welding. He would get to a point where he couldn't make a good weld and then he would just chuck his steel in his booth. I'm like, okay, well, that's one way to have a temper tantrum. And then he would storm out. And I'm like, cool, now I got to clean your booth. And so then I'd have to like be mom where I'm like, hey, it's not okay for you to just come into class, throw your steel around and then walk out and not clean your booth. It's not my job to clean up after you. And so 
kind of just trying to get my legs around like or figuring out like, you know, what what do I want to do with education? Do I do I want to teach? Am I even able to teach? Do I even know how to teach? It's like all of these things and like trying to figure out that on a personal side while also trying to encourage women to go through the program. <laughs> was definitely a little bit of a, a challenge at times because I'm like, I had a lot of self-doubt, like, what am I going to do? Like, if this doesn't work out or, you know, maybe this idea works for like a year and then, then what? But for those women who are like, you know, really doubting their ability to do it. And even if they're going through the program, because it still happens, like women will sign up and they'll be going through the program and they're like, I don't think I'm any good or I don't know if I'm good or how do I know if I'm good? And like, then the test on top of that is even more pressure. And then, so I always make it a point to tell them like, okay, so certification, it's a test. There are lots of certifications you can get, but just because you pass a test does not mean you're a good welder. But also just because you fail the test does not mean you're a bad welder. So you can't put so much pressure on one test even for us, like, you know, because I'm constantly looking for other women coming out of classes to come and support the organization and everything or be involved in some capacity. And so I'm like, you know, if you fail the test, that doesn't mean that like all opportunities for a career in the welding industry are out the window. It's not like you have one chance and that's it. Like, I'm like, you know, I, I look at your attendance, I look at your behavior, I look at your willingness to just jump in and, and try something like that's what I'm looking at. And I'm like, and that's what a lot of employers are going to look for. They're, they want to see somebody who's eager to learn, wants to learn, will show up. And that's, I mean, that's really, that's it. I'm like, you, other than that, like, you know, you can practice and practice and become a really great skilled welder. So, I mean, you're not going to know everything you need to know in 40 hours at all. Like nobody does. And I'm like, and, and it was just, it's just always been so interesting because it's like, you know, I even taught at a local vocational high school. So I was teaching 2020 to 2021 school year and seeing how students uh, learned, which was way different than adults. I'm like, you know, being able to see the different dynamics and how encouragement is might needed a little bit more with certain people versus others and, and all of that. And it's like, you know, and even I'd have to tell those students, I'm like, you know, no one's ever good at something the first time they try it. I'm like, you have to just keep practicing. And if you get frustrated to a point where you're like, my welds will never look good. It's like, take a break, go get water listen to a song or listen to a song while you're welding. Just like, don't, don't focus so much about how everyone else is doing outside of you because they might be struggling with different things than you are. Yeah. That was a huge part of just learning to weld. Like I picked up some things a lot fast, like stick and MIG. I was, I was pretty quick at when I started doing TIG, that's when I started getting really frustrated because mm -hmm. I came from like being like, oh, this is super easy. Like I got this in my back pocket and then I picked up a TIG torch and I was like, man, I am struggling. And <laughs> I was looking at everybody else. Like there was one kid I was going through school with and we were really good buds. And first day of TIG, I look at his plate and he's like running great beads and just stacking it. And I mine just looks like trash. And I was like, what am I like, this is, this is crazy because I was much better than him at the other processes. Yeah. <laughs> but, and it, it's learning all the different, pro like there's, you might be good at one process, bad at another process, but the persistence to get better 
learning to fall in love with the process of welding is what I feel like people should be taught more than you have to pass this test or else it means nothing. You know, yeah, it's like the, there's so much beauty and fun and peace you can find inside of welding. And that is something that was ingrained in my brain the very first day of class. It was we came in and the head of the welding department was like, OK, y'all might be here because you want to go out there welding pipe, throwing down 6G welds all over the place. But I'm going to tell you what the first thing you're going to learn is mindfulness and learning that welding, when you spark that arc, it is a meditative process and you have mm -hmm. to just fall into this zone of where you, you're just mesmerized, but you're focused. There's so much mind space that comes with welding that people don't realize. Like it is a, it is a talent on its own to focus on the puddle, focus on your edges, seeing where you're going, listening to all the different variables of what the machine's sounding like, you know, there's mm -hmm. a ton. And that kind of brings us back to music where musicians, I've been told by a couple different people, musicians make really great welders because we understand tempo. Mm -hmm. And welding is all about keeping tempo, travel speed, you know, it, that that was one thing that really helped me was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tap this out i'm gonna see how fast i need to move you know what tempo do i need to weld at because that's gonna help me be more consistent i feel like there's a lot of overcoming self-doubt that that's been a big topic of this whole conversation today mm -hmm. and when you felt like at the bottom of the bottom <clears throat> like you were like maybe i should give up what helped you get out I, I think it was more about proving to myself that I could do it. So I'm like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want other people to feel like they were right or that they had some sort of effect where I'm like, you know what? You're right. I should quit. I should not do this. And so I think that really just pure stubbornness <laughs> and determination. Cause I'm like, no, I, I, I don't want to be a failure. And I know like, because my parents were always like, you know, you you never want to just give up because there there's a good chance that at some point you will have regret for quitting. Yeah, and exactly. so that kept, kind of was always in the back of my mind where I'm like, no, I don't want to quit. I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. And uh, and so I, I just I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to allow myself to quit because I've come this far. I've put so much time and energy into it. And yes, even today, there, there are days that I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> Is it worth it? Does anyone care? Or am I, the, do, am I the only one who seems to care about what I'm doing? And the answer is no. There are other people who care. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's difficulty with any job. Like, I mean, it's not just welding where it's like a special case where we're like, oh, my God. As welders, we're the only ones who struggle through all these things. There's lots of people out there struggling. But, you know, I think we're at such a great place right now where there's so much focus on welding. And so many people are like, oh, my God, I never knew anything about welding. It's like, yeah, like, here, here's a positive story you can hear about welding. Because, you know, I think 
Um, a lot of people never wanted to do welding is because there's always such a negative connotation about welding and manufacturing and like being in a skilled trades. Like the fact that I told you when I was in the high school, like all the bad kids went to the alternative school to learn how to weld or like do other things. And it's like that, that, that mentality has to change. Yes. Because, you know, then it's like people who are going into those programs are like, well, I'm a bad kid. I, I like, you know, I couldn't even make it in real high school. Like, you know, why, why would I, why would I try to put all my energy into learning a skill and being good at it? Like, why should I keep welding when everyone expects me to fail anyways? It's like, that's not a great, it's not a great thought process for anybody to have. It's putting you on the wrong path right off the bat. Yes, exactly. We have covered a lot today. Uh, I have a couple more questions. Uh, what is your favorite process? Uh, hmm, that's a tough one. You can um, only choose one. You can only choose one. Oh, man. <laughs> that's hard. Um, well, let's see. I, I typically do more MIG welding than anything, um, but I feel like I might have a secret love for stick welding, I, and I, which is really weird because I think that's been more of a recent development. And... Yeah, I mean, because when I was at the community college, I was teaching stick and I was like afraid to do demos for people because I'm like, oh, my God, I know it's going to look like garbage because I haven't welded stick in like years. But then uh, when I was teaching at the high school, a part of our curriculum, we had to do oxycetylene, which I was like, also don't like that process. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I have to teach stick. I was like, oh, my God. Once again, I have to like do demos and like I have to like be able to diagnose their welds and tell them immediately like what <laughs> what's going on. So I had to practice. And um, so it was it was kind of nice getting back into uh, learning how to stick weld, but from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think like, I don't know, it was kind of weird. I was kind of like, maybe I do like stick and I just don't remember why I stopped doing it other than well access to it but uh yeah i mean i i do really like it and we we just i just invested in like a an oven um i think it was like last summer or something and so i've been like super excited i'm like we have to do stick we have to get <laughs> stick back into the, the the classroom i'm a huge fan of stick as well i i think it's my favorite process but it is the least used on my end so Oh, yeah. Well, that and everybody who does stick, they're like, I hate stick. Like, all the high schoolers were like, I hate this process. Like, I hate it. I don't want to weld. I'm like, oh, my God. Why do you hate it? I'm not good at it. Well, guess what? You got to practice. You're an athlete. Don't you should know this. You have to practice. No, no. You don't have to practice. You just get it or you don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what, that's like, what oh everybody. <laughs> that was like another big thing as going in. People just, I mean, I, I expected myself to be perfect going in as well. So I, I, I can relate to people, but mm -hmm. it's just, then you remind yourself, it's like, Oh, you know, it takes hours and hours of practice to learn a skill. Like if you're playing guitar, you don't just pick it up and you're shredding right out the gate. Um, right. And welding, you're not no, shredding right yeah. out the gate. <laughs> yeah. Cause there would be kids who like, they're trying to strike their arc and I would even go through striking. Like we just spent like a, I think like a day or two on striking an art. Cause like kids would be like, Oh, this is easy. Oh, my counselor said it was gonna be such an easy program to go through. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, your counselor shouldn't have said that to you. Uh, because I'm like, because that then diminishes my skill, my time and energy I've put into learning. 
And I'm like, and that's not fair to you because like now you have this pressure of like, oh, it's so easy. You should just get it right out the gate. And then you don't. And then you're frustrated. And they kept getting stuck to their plates. And I'm like, and then they would just get mad. And they'd like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I so just like, calm down. Exactly. <laughs> Once so then you I'm get like, it, you'll get it. But trust me, it's exactly. frustrating trying to light a stick electrode for the first time. Uh, yes. But then I'm like, but it's frustrating now. But once you get that, once you finally learn how to do it, you you have an aha moment. And then guess what? Then you're actually excited and happy. And I'm and like, so it was kind of like a process. You have to see them all struggling in the beginning. But then they when they finally started learning how to strike it in like one try, then a lot of them were like excited about welding. And then they would spend their whole time in their booth. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, I told you, you just had to stick with it, literally. Just, just got to see it out. Just got to yes. see it through. Exactly. What is the coolest place that welding has taken you to? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, so, so far, the coolest place welding has taken me is uh, Korea. Wow. Yep. Seoul. I went to Seoul. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that was that was a like an amazing experience that I almost didn't do. <laughs> What what brought you over there with welding? So from my makerspace experience, um, I was able to develop some really good friendships with different folks at either um, institutions or community call or community groups and all these other amazing partnerships. But one particular relationship, um, which I still maintain this friendship with uh, this person. So like there was a professor from Purdue who helped get uh technical equipment into the makerspace. So like a CNC, plasma, 3D printers, t-shirt printer, all of these wonderful high-tech pieces of equipment you'll never see outside of a, a big college, basically. Yeah. And so um, the point was to get access for makers and local entrepreneurs and creatives for the equipment. And so, um, so fast forward, after my time at the makerspace was done, I ended up talking to the professor. He just randomly messaged me, like, I think it was maybe a week or two before Thanksgiving in 2019. He was like, hey, what are, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Which I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Why? And then he was like, oh, I was going to see if you wanted to go to this maker, or this like makerspace conference in uh, Seoul. And I'm like, what? And he's like, but I don't want you to just talk about your makerspace. I want you to talk about the Welding Guild. And I'm like, what? And so then I was like, uh, so so go across the world to go talk about welding and my experience as a makerspace director, like, or just my, just my experience as being an, a creative in general. And so um, I, I thought about the, the amount of time I would have to be on an airplane, which I'm, I have anxiety already. So it's like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I have to be trapped in a plane <laughs> for like whatever, 12, 13 hours. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds terrifying. And so um, at the time I was like, uh, I'll have to call you back. I, I have to think about it. And so then I was thinking about it. I called my mom. I'm like, so there's this opportunity. I even talked. So now my, he, now he's my husband, but at the time he was my uh, boyfriend. And so I was talking to my boyfriend, Peter, and I was like, so I just got invited to go to Seoul for an international maker conference. And he was like, Oh my God, that's amazing. He's like, are you going to do it? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, why wouldn't you? And I'm like the flight. I don't know. I, I have to public, I hate public speaking. And I'm like, I have no idea how many people I hear international. I'm like, is that like 
10 people, is that 500 people? I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what that means. And so he started looking at like the, the, the actual facility. I, I can't remember if it was like some large venue. He started looking at pictures and then I was like, oh my God, I don't want to speak there. That looks intense and scary. And so thought about it for a little bit longer. And I was like, you know what? I should go. Every single time I do something that makes me uncomfortable, I come out of it. I'm still alive. I, I, yes, I go through the stress. I feel like I'm going to puke before I go up on the platform. I'm like, but it's worth it at the end because at least one person will walk away being like, wow, I've never seen that or heard about that before. And so um, I ended up agreeing to go and we only had a week and a half before we actually had to go on the trip. So we had to buy our plane tickets. And I was fortunate enough because my, so the university that was hosting the, the conference paid for my plane ticket and also put us in um, a, like some lodging right across the street from the venue. And so on our way there, we ended up stopping in Tokyo, which I was like, this is amazing. Love Japan. Absolutely love it. And then um, after a few days in Japan, we went to Korea and we tried to stay a couple days in Seoul leading up to the conference. So then it wasn't like we were traveling and rushing and everything. That's actually uh, when my boyfriend proposed to me. So we got engaged, I think, the day before the conference which kind of helped with some of the stress, but still. And so uh, it was really awesome because the professor, we finally met up with him there. I told him what happened. And then he started telling the story to all the different groups we were meeting up with. And we went to an awesome, uh, I can't remember how many courses it was. It was like five course dinner. Um, And it was really cool because there were people from different universities from different countries. So I think Vietnam was present, uh, Thailand, uh, I think Japan, China, and then we were America representing. And uh, so it was like really interesting to see them. I was, I think, the only woman at the table. So it was also kind of a culture shock and also like different dynamic, but still very cool. And uh, so then, you know, they're, they're congratulating us on our engagement. And so it just kind of kept adding to the whole experience and everything. And um, overall, I mean, the fact that I got to go and talk in front of people about what welding has done for me, um, and especially talking about the, uh, the, the gender differences and like how it's been a different experience for women versus men and all of that. Like I had a couple women come up to me after my presentation and they're like, you know, like, that's amazing because here, uh, over here in this country, women aren't allowed to have that type of platform. Like the fact that you're doing it is amazing. That's something we should be doing over here. So I was like, that's amazing. I'm so, I'm so happy that, you know, at least I had, I affected one person in that positive way. But overall, I mean, it was a, a really amazing experience. And the fact that like, that's a part of my journey as well. Like that's how welding has helped me get literally to, to Korea. So that's awesome. I asked a lot of people that question just because everyone has a very interesting answer whenever you ask them that question. If you were to go and see yourself on the first day of you going into your welding program back in the day, what would the advice you would give yourself be? Don't stop asking for help and let me know how I can help you. This has been an awesome conversation just about 
grown some thick skin. Hearing all of your experiences, I've heard a lot from, I have a bunch of friends, like in school, I had a bunch of female welders and they would, I would talk to them all the time and they would say a lot of the same things as you where everybody treats them differently, but usually they were way better than everybody else. And, uh, so it's, I feel like that's something we got to spread the word on is that it's not just a man's world when it comes to welding. And usually ladies are going to be a lot better than the men. So mm-hmm. you better shut your mouth, watch what they're doing, learn. And I just hope that in the future it becomes a more even playing field where everybody feels accepted and welcome and excited to go and blaze a new future. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed talking to you and I look forward. You're going to be making some videos for weld.com coming up soon, correct? Yes. Yep. I have, I think, three, four, <laughs> four videos uh, and some of them are in stick. So uh, hopefully, um, hopefully I get those completed by the end of the month and, and everyone can start viewing them. Well, awesome. Well, I look forward to it. It's been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate your time and look forward to seeing your videos that come out here in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you for your time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Okay. Yeah. You too. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you are looking to pick up a new machine, head on over to store.lincolnelectric.com and you can use one of our promo codes, weld.com10 for 10% off equipment or weld.com20 for 20% off gear, accessories, and these are going to be good for the rest of the year. Again, that's weld.com spelled out W-E-L-D-D-O-T. C-O-M, with 10 or 20 after, and you can snag some sweet new gear at a sweet new price. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington, and until next week, we'll see you out there.